What's up guys, Dalton here. Before we hop into this episode of the PT Coffee Cast, I just wanted to touch base with you and say thank you. Thank you for tuning in. Whether this is your first time listening or you've been rocking with us since day one, we appreciate your support. Every like, comment, share, subscribe, whatever it is, truly does mean the world to us and it continues to push us to put out the best possible content for you guys. Before we hop in, I just want to talk to you about our partnership with Physio Network. Physio Network is on a mission to improve physiotherapy standards worldwide. They do this through their research reviews. If you sign up, you'll get 12 research reviews per month in both written and audio form. Articles are selected and appraised by industry experts such as Sandy Hilton, Mary O'Keefe, Tom Goom. Um, former PT Coffee Cast guests such as Teddy Wilsey, Sam Spinelli, Jared Hall, Tom Walters, and plenty more. They're clinically relevant and recently published, and they take less than five minutes to read one review, saving you hours of work. This also solves that problem that we all struggle with. How do we stay up to date with the research? Physio Network has you covered. They also give you access to a members-only Facebook group, and you can do quizzes that will get you CEU points. They got it all. If you guys are interested in trying out Physio Network, you can start your seven-day free trial now by using the link in the show notes or our bio on Instagram. This will give you the option to play around, see what you like. Do you like listening? Do you like reading? And just seeing the amazing content that they give you guys, and then you will join because Physio Network is amazing. We'd love to hear from you guys. If you have signed up for Physio Network, please let us know how your experience has gone. We'd love to hear, and we can pass on that information to them. Also, if you guys haven't noticed, we've moved the PT Coffee Cast to its own Instagram page. So head over there so you don't miss out on any content. You can follow that at the PT Coffee Cast. We've also started a PT Coffee Cast newsletter so that you guys can get up-to-date information on the latest episode. If we have any new merch dropping, maybe some coffee, whatever it is, we want you guys to know about it first so you can follow the Instagram page as well as sign up for the newsletter so you don't miss out on anything. That's all I got for now, guys. I hope you enjoy this episode of the PT Coffee Cast. Welcome to the Movement PT Coffee Cast, where we sit down and talk about physical therapy, health, and whatever else comes to mind during our coffee-infused conversations. What's going on, guys? Welcome back to the PT Coffee Cast, brought to you by The Movement. My name is Dalton, and with me, as always, is my beautifully bearded friend, William. William, how are we doing today? I am having a pretty good day. It's a good, good old-fashioned Canadian day outside, lots of snow. Yeah, we got like the first real snowfall. December 1? December, yeah, it's kind of fitting, eh? Yeah. The only thing I'm kind of disappointed in this uh, cup of coffee, I, you know, my thing, I love all coffee, but this French vanilla that's been seeping into our grinder. Yeah, I know. We'll have to blame. We'll put the blame. I know as business owners, we're supposed to always take the responsibility, but I may slide the blame on our massage therapist, Dan, yeah. for bringing it in. And now like out of <laughs> like just being nice, we're grinding it in the grinder and using it. Yeah. Just out of the goodness of our heart. Because we're good, we're good people, you know? That's right. Well, we try to be. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. We're back with another interview episode today. We're kind of kicking off a, a 
a series. Um, we're doing a new grad ish series, we'll call it, um, where we're talking to like newer physiotherapists who just stepped out in the space. We kind of want to get their perspectives. Um, we also did that with a student series. So now we're kind of trying to transition a little bit. Um, so today our guest is Jess Messias. He is the director of rehab and performance at Dynamics um, in Montreal. He's a physiotherapist. Uh, so Jess, welcome to the show. Boys, what an absolute honor to, uh, to finally be on the coffee cast. I appreciate the invite. Not a problem. How, uh, how's your day going today? Is it snowy up there? Uh, it's not snowy. It's actually just been dark for the entire day. The sun, I, I just don't think it actually has come up today. <laughs> uh, it's, it's, it's warm. It's like six or seven degrees. A mix of rain and darkness and, you know, could be the middle of the night for all I know. It's uh, a beautiful Montreal winter's day, you know. What is the coldest temperature that you've had in Montreal? I mean, if you take windshield, uh, windshield, wind chill into account, um, which we, we kind of pride ourselves on, it gets around minus 40 here. And, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll have like a week or two in the winter where, you know, in January, February, where it's just, it, it, it hurts to be outside uh, around minus 40. And fun fact, minus 40 Celsius is where Celsius and Fahrenheit meet. So if, if it sounds bad in Celsius, <laughs> it's also minus 40 Fahrenheit. But again, that's because of the wind. So yeah, I mean, the typical day is what, like minus 10-ish. So it's, it's not great. It's not any consolation, but it's not minus 40. I'd still wait in line for a smoked meat sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> You wouldn't be the only one. You would still be waiting in line. That's the best part. Yeah. Um, for, our, for our American listeners, they're going to be like, do you, do you live in igloos? <laughs> and you probably could. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Um, so Jess, why don't you start off, maybe just give a little introduction um, to our listeners about yourself, a little background, maybe what kind of got you into the rehab space, and uh, then we'll go from there. For sure. So yeah, um, as you guys graciously said, I'm a, I'm a physiotherapist out of Montreal. I grew up here, but I was actually born in Toronto. So there's a little connection there. Um, as every Canadian does, I grew up playing hockey. Uh, but as the son of South African parents, I actually, I actually played a lot of rugby in high school. Um, unfortunately, I had to stop playing both of those because of concussions, which is crazy to think that anyone would get a concussion playing either of those two sports. Um, Studied at McGill, did my undergrad Bachelor of Science over there, and then I made my way over to Melbourne, Australia uh, to complete my master's in physio, which was, you know, two, they were the two coolest years of my life, I would say. Uh, spent a couple of years working in private practice over here in Montreal before kind of making the jump with a small group uh, that I've recently opened this clinic with. Um, you know, what got me into the space, my background for sports obviously pushed me in this direction. Um, and I always grew up loving the sciences. You know, I wouldn't tell anyone that growing up, but science was kind of my jam. I enjoyed studying for it in high school. I didn't, or at least I didn't mind studying for it. Um, medicine wasn't exactly the path that I envisioned for myself, uh, knowing that I wanted to do something medical, let's say, um, and really wanting to help people. And I thought physio would be an amazing way to do that. So I think that's kind of why a lot of us get into it, the mixture of sport and science. But that was, uh, that was my path here. Yeah, I didn't even, I didn't realize that you went to uh, physio school over in, in Melbourne. My accent doesn't give it away. Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> Seems like you like uh, not afraid to kind of go somewhere else and 
see what that place is all about. Yeah, 100%, man. I mean, I, I've always loved traveling. Who doesn't? Um, it helped that I had some, that have, I have some family over there. Um, long story short, a lot of South Africans have left South Africa for, uh, you know, countries where they feel more comfortable, you know, bringing up a family because South Africa isn't the safest of places right now, uh, although it is beautiful. So yeah, some family in Australia, which always made it a viable option. Uh, in my opinion, it's the capital of, of sport, uh, you know, of the world between cricket, Australian rules, football, rugby, uh, you know, you name it, they're, they're doing it all. And they're just super sporty people. So I figured if there was a great place to learn about physical therapy, uh, why not take the leap and, and go spend a couple of years there and, uh, you know, be amongst a different culture, not feel like I'm just traveling and visiting, but rather living there and, and fully experiencing it all. Did that have like the big influence on like your sports rehab side of things? Cause I know over there, they're pretty heavily involved in that. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I would have ended up in, a, in more of a sport rehab context anyway, uh, just because that was, you know, growing up playing hockey and rugby, that's what I was around all the time. Like rehab was just a thing going on around me, you know, amongst my teammates and, and whoever else was around me. Uh, but for sure, I mean, the, the, the people that I got to know there, the physios that I went to school with over there, uh, it, it didn't matter who they were or what they did. They were either, you know, a rugby player, a cricket player, a footy player, or a jogger, or they lifted weights. Um, everyone did something. Everyone had some sort of sport-like identity, which was really cool. And I found that to be a, a, an interesting contrast from, from Montreal or North America in general, where growing up, you know, being the guy that played a couple sports and going to the gym, I almost felt like an outlier. Going to the gym was something that differentiated me from others. Uh, whereas now it's great. I mean, the vast majority of people I know have gym memberships and go to the gym, but uh, yeah, I guess you know, it kind of it, it kind of uh, fueled that fire that was already in me, and and it's inspiring to see these people over there how active they are. You know, a Sunday afternoon is spent kicking a soccer ball around in the park and not just you know sitting on the couch watching football. So it's it's different for sure. Cool. Yeah. So I wanted to dive into. I was looking through your Instagram. Um, and I know you just recently started being more active there and you posted like your first post talking about like your why and like it was a simple why you said you don't know what you don't know and I wanted you to kind of elaborate on why that is something that drives you and what that maybe means yeah for sure I mean digging through the archives for sure um, and it's funny like when I wrote that I, I would probably have given you a different reason or explanation eight months ago, which, which I think is good. And that kind of ties into it. Um, I, you know, I was on Instagram, I was consuming a ton of content every day, all day, you know, perhaps too much, who knows. Um, but I guess my feeling was that, you know, we, we go to school, we, we spend, you know, a couple years in our undergrad, a couple years in our, in our master's programs, um, and we're exposed to a lot but I don't think we're exposed to just how much more there is out there, right? And, and it's a little bit meta in a sense, because if, well, if we were told how much was out there, then we would know how much is out there and we would know that there's more to learn, if, you know, if, you, if you're able to follow me on that one. Um, so for me, it comes back to the, you know, to the old Dunning-Kruger effect, where you know, we come out of school and we think we know everything, but you know, why can I read forever about any topic 
except with physio, I'm supposed to believe that after 10 semesters of university, I know everything, right? It, it's, it's a logical fallacy. It just, it simply doesn't make sense. Uh, so I actually have to thank Instagram more than, than anything or anyone else for playing a role in this. Um, you know, back in the early days, let's say like 2016, 2017, where I think physio was really making a bit of a splash on, on, on Instagram, uh, you know, guys like Jake Harden and, and Teddy Wilsey who were posting these back then I was probably just so intrigued by all their different exercises and wasn't reading too much into the, the theory or the philosophy of it. But, you know, as you guys would know, you know, you're both very experienced and, and have learned a lot over the past few years you kind of just need to go through these motions of reading and reading and thinking and reading and thinking and reading. And eventually your thoughts kind of build upon each other until you've, you know, you've gone from, from A to Z or from zero to a hundred and you've become a different practitioner, but also a different person, right? The way you see the world around you changes. So I figured getting onto Instagram would be a great perhaps organize my time spent online, which it hasn't done, but I've, I still feel positive effects from it. Um, I've learned a lot. I've connected with a lot of amazing people. Like if it weren't for Instagram, we, we wouldn't be having this conversation right now, which, which is so cool when you think about it. So yeah, you don't know what you don't know until you know it. And then you realize there's probably more that you don't know. You just haven't, you haven't encountered it yet. That can be a tough thing to get over though. Like, and that's what I'm interested about you, right? Because obviously, like, how long have you been out of uh, physio school for? I graduated at the end of 2016. So three years, yeah. And now you've just opened up this place. So it's like, how did you get over that sort of just knowing all these things you don't know? How does mm -hmm. one then go, okay, well, that's fine. I can... I can still do this. Yeah. I mean, I, I feel like you guys will, will agree with this answer and you're probably feeling something similar, but it's a good question. I, I, I don't think any of us will ever feel like we're ready. And that's something that a couple mentors of mine said. They said, don't wait until you wake up one day and, and feel like, oh yeah, today's the day that I'm going to go and start this multi-billion dollar business because now I know just enough in order to do that, right? You kind of just need to jump into things and and hope and pray and put in the hard work and just like I said hope that the experience is going to guide you and you know make you a better practitioner and make you a better person in your home life so why did I do it you know it was a series of coincidences that kind of came together I met certain people who had certain plans ongoing and there wasn't this opportunity for me to say actually good idea but let's chat in three years it was kind of a now or never thing um, I certainly don't know everything. Uh, I, I think I know enough in order to be able to successfully accomplish what I've set out in these early days in the clinic. Uh, but I hope that what I'm able to accomplish two, five, ten years from now is a hell of a lot more than what I envision myself accomplishing now. So it's, it's never the perfect time. And, and how do you guys feel about that? I mean, you guys made a, a serious jump as well, right? You've built this brand over a few years. I remember listening to the coffee cast a couple of years ago. You know, what led you guys to jumping into this? Because uh, you guys are two humble, humble dudes. I don't imagine you guys think you know everything. <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> I think it's very similar though. Mm -hmm. But I, I think what we share with you is that 
understanding. And I think part of it was from us doing what we've done with the movement for the past three years is just realizing that even though we don't know everything, we have that ability to, you know, evolve over time. Like our thought processes are constantly evolving and changing as we're learning more and we try to let it, you know, we try not to be the same people that we were two years ago. And I think that's what's allowed us to kind of get this going is that understanding and that comfort in knowing that even though we don't know stuff, if we put our minds to it, we'll be able to figure it out, you know, as we go. I think that's the similarity that uh, we share with you. Yeah, a hundred percent. I mean, you know, we, we, we have our base of knowledge and we have our intuition and we have, you know, the, the logical sides of our brains that will steer us to make the best possible decision given a situation. And I, you know, personally, I would always rather go to the clinician who is happy and willing to admit that they don't know everything than the person who is a guru of some sort of a system and, and, you know, claims to know the body inside and out better than anyone else. Um, that to me, there's something genuine and there's something reassuring when someone is just honest and, and puts it all out there. Now, I'm not saying, you know, when every patient comes in, I, I preface it by saying, look, I don't know a whole lot but <laughs> today. Uh, but, but I think there is a lot of value in saying to someone, look, I'm not 100% sure what's going on. I think it may be X, Y, or Z. In my experience, this, this has worked really well for X, Y, and Z. Let's give it a go. You got this. And, you know, we'll regroup in a week or so and, and see if we made the right call. But I'm feeling pretty confident right now. Right. Like I, 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 as a patient would like to hear that. So I hope my patients like to hear that as well. Otherwise, you know, we won't be in business too much longer. <laughs> yeah. Um, one thing that I wanted to ask you is like, in terms of your clinical approach, like you're kind of talking a little bit about it as we go through here, but what has maybe shifted for you in the first like three to four years that you've been out, like what are some of the biggest changes that you've seen or that you've learned about um, your approach? Yeah, look, I mean, I think like a lot of, a lot of young physios, um, I can speak for myself in that I came into this. Um, my why was I wanted to help people and I really, really did. Um, but the how I was going to help people, I wanted to be like a body mechanic. I wanted to have manual therapy skills that, you know, no one in my network had. I wanted to blow people away by my ability to be able to sense what's going on in their back or in their shoulder joint, whatever it is. And I wanted to fix people. I literally wanted to fix people. Um, and I don't think there's anything wrong with that mentality. I think it's all about how you, how you go about it. Um, what has shifted for me, you know, I spent the past few years in, in different clinical settings. I've been around a lot of different physios. Um, I've spent time just kind of observing how they do what they do and how they interact with their clients. And I think I've acted a bit like a sponge absorbing certain things, uh, both positive and negative, but recognizing, okay, you know, I see that physio tends to do X, which is great. I'm going to see if I can do more of it. They also do a little bit of Y. I'm going to make sure that I don't do too much of it because, you know, I don't think it's the best way to go about it. Right. Not to say that there were many physios around me that were, that were doing a lot of stuff that I wouldn't do myself, but you know, as you do, you learn, you, you, you keep what's good and you kind of get rid of what you don't love so much. Um, I guess over the past few years, you know, like I said, Instagram has opened me up to a lot. 
uh, it's led me down a lot of these rabbit holes where I've, I've read uh, the posts, the captions written by other practitioners, which has led me to their blog, which has led me to a research paper, which has led me down all these different rabbit holes where the more I've learned, um, the more I've realized that my why is still the same. I still love helping people. Um, but I think there are better ways to do it than trying to be a body mechanic. And I think that has resonated a lot with me. And I had this, you know, identity crisis where I was thinking, hang on, if I got into this because I want to fix people and now I no longer believe in the idea of fixing people, like, why am I doing this? Why am I still here? And I realized, no, you know, I'm here because I want to help people. How I do it, that's, you know, it's important, but that's not why I'm here. Why I'm here is still to fix people. So if I can find a way that makes the most sense to me and still, allow me to, still allows me to accomplish that goal of helping people, then I'm on the right track. And, you know, where I was four years ago versus where I am now versus where I'll be in five years from now, I hope that it's different. I hope that I practice differently because I hope that I'm taking on board whatever new relevant information comes along um, so as to not kind of get stuck in, in, this, in, in a stone age and think that I know it all, which we've agreed that we don't, uh, and, you know, stick to the same tune. Part of what I wonder is, like, whether that identity shift actually is like because i know a, a lot of people have gone through that uh ourselves including i wonder if there's less change than you actually think you know like one for example like do you feel like your methods have changed much over the last four years in terms of you know using exercise maybe it's manual therapy uh whatever whatever you have has that changed as much over the four years? It, it's funny because if you would have watched a 60 minute evaluation of mine three years ago, you know, after I kind of got past my early rookie phase um, and watch a 60 minute evaluation from last week, I would say to the, to the average person, to the naked eye, it looks pretty much the exact same. You know, maybe a little bit more exercise, a little bit less manual therapy, but the nuts and bolts, I'm asking pretty much the same questions we're talking for the same amount of time, we're, we're treating or exercising for the same amount of time. But I think it's my interpretation of this information that has changed. Uh, I'm asking the same questions, but I'm taking something different away from the answers. And that's leading me down a different path in terms of the exercises or the education or overall empowerment that I provide. So it, it's funny you say that, Will, because I, I was thinking about it the other day. I was kind of getting in my own head when I was with a patient. And, and I had a very similar thought. I was like, you know, I feel like I've learned so much, but it's funny that it, it doesn't, it probably doesn't look any different. And I don't think it has to, right? Like I, I you know, I see you guys nodding your heads and, and I think that's probably because you've experienced the same thing where your sessions look and feel the same way, but you feel better about it because you feel like you're helping people better. And you probably very, very well likely are helping people better so yeah yeah and i think it might i mean for me personally i think it's like the overlying thing that changed a lot for me was realizing that there's a lot that influences this person um and there's a lot that goes into it it might not be like just one thing that's contributing to their experience like it might not just be the fact that their right glue isn't firing right like there's way more going on which i think for me just allowed me to like take in more of the information and realize that there's a lot more things that influence that person. And I think it's at its base. That's what I think's changed a lot 
for me. And then all the new information that we continue to develop and learn, I think can just layer onto maybe that base, like overall um, taking in the whole individual approach. Yeah. I mean, every person that comes in front of us is, is an individual. Every person has a story, right? And, and lately I've, I've kind of been in this, in this little, you know, call it like a bit of a hippie vibe where I, where I don't tell people, like, tell me what's wrong. I say, what's your story? You know, tell, tell me your story. What's going on? Because um, we need to understand people if we really want to help them, right? Um, we don't just need to look at their knee or their ankle or their shoulder. We need to know, you know, the person in the story behind this knee, ankle, or shoulder. Why are they feeling the way we are, right? We, you know, we talk about pain science and everything that we know that fills up people's capacity cups and we want to talk about drivers of pain. Well, I'm sorry, but we're not going to get we're, we're not going to get very far if we don't listen to the story and, and hear what they have to tell us. And I think we can agree that a lot of people, um, they just want to be heard, right? They just want someone to tell their story to. They don't want to have to complain to their brother, sister, spouse, whoever it is. They just want someone that's willing to listen. I've had experiences where I think they just needed someone to listen to them in order to get over whatever they were going through. So yeah, the, the individual and understanding them, I think that's, that's it. Ask, you can ask the same questions, but it's what you do with that information that, that changes the game. It's funny, like how much, I think it comes from a good place. Like we just want to tell people, you know, what's wrong with them and try You're trying to help ultimately. But when I sort of was experimenting with that, cause you know, that idea, like we tend to interrupt people so quickly and it's really true. Uh, like I've actually had people, I've, I've kind of played with it and, I'll let some awkward silence happen and oftentimes they'll actually continue to talk after like a few seconds of just sort of letting things breathe. So you wonder how much we are missing when we're not taking that approach. Sometimes those are the most like impactful things is that second thing, you know? A hundred percent. I think Zoom has actually helped me develop that skill a little bit because it's really easy to talk over people on Zoom, right? So I've like developed this habit of waiting that extra two seconds. And I don't know how it's going to sound when when you listen to the recording of all this. Um, But yeah, I mean, there's nothing more for me to say there. You need to listen to people. Um, We know what we know. And I, for one, love sharing information. I mean, I don't think it'll be a surprise when, if you guys look at the stats of this conversation, how much of the talking I did and how much of the sharing I did, but you know, whatever it's, I'm not saying it's a bad thing. Um, but yeah. Tell us your story. <laughs> <laughs> how much time do you guys have? When's your next <laughs> Not till tomorrow morning. <laughs> yeah. The silencing is a, is a, an interesting thing because we think it's longer in our head than it really is. And so on that note, I've been like playing a little game too. It's like, see how long I can go. And it does sometimes just get really awkward, but I just embrace it. And furrow your eyebrows. Yeah, you start making like (laughs) little faces. Um, I was curious to hear like, what is something maybe, you know, reflecting recently or over the past couple of years that you still feel like you struggle a bit with? Like, what what are you wrestling with? Uh, it's a great question. And the, the timing is good because I, you know, I think about that a lot. You know, I think about that interview question, like name three weaknesses or whatever it is. 
when I interview myself, I guess. But, uh, <laughs> you know, the answer to that question would be just listening to people more. Uh, you know, like Nick Hanna, Hanna Moves does a great job at, at presenting that stuff online. I love his content and I love the way he, he just talks. They're not videos of exercises. They're not videos of much other than either him talking to the camera or text on the screen, just help, helping clinicians improve their their patient interactions, right? So allowing people to, to, to finish their thoughts, allowing people to have that second to breathe, to feel like they don't, you know, it's not about me, right? Someone's not coming in to see me, Jess Messias, who's the best physio in the world. Like, that's not what I'm after. I'm after, like I said, helping people. Um, so if someone can come in and feel like they've got the, the, the audience, I guess the audience being me, but, but the, the, the space where they can just talk and talk and talk. And part of that might being, uh, that might be part of their experience of emptying out that capacity cup, right? If we want to come back to that analogy. So just listening, man, it's so hard. You know, we, we want to share, we want to help, we want to fix people. We, we have this whole base of knowledge that we just want to share with them, but they don't need to hear all of it most of the time, you know, and it's easy for me to say this during this conversation because when I see my next patient, I'll probably forget that we said this because, and, and, and like you said, well, it comes from a good place, right? It's only because we want to help. It's not because we're trying to steal the show, although it may happen sometimes, but I guess, you know, what am I trying to do? I'm trying to become perhaps less excited or, or, or less interruptive. I don't know how to describe it, but I think you guys kind of get what I'm saying. It's tough balance because On one hand, you know, you want a sense of urgency because this person's coming to you at like a vulnerable time most of the time. Um, And and so you, you know, you want to show them, hey, like we got this. This is what's going to help you. But at the same time, you don't want to overwhelm. You want to hear their story. So I feel like that's something that, you know, we're never going to get perfect. But hopefully – like you said, just trying to work on it uh, and get better, learn from your mistakes. Yeah, I think I similar. I'm, I'm, I feel the same because what I've tried to do is be more intentional with when I when I go in and try to really educate or whether it's like giving them some motivation or some direction. You know what I mean? I try to use that in a more meaningful way, and then. I try to ask questions that lead them to coming up with like the answers instead of me telling them. That's one thing that I've tried to get a lot better at um, so that they're, they're saying it. And then when I feel it's important or where they give me signs is important that I step in and like give them more direction. Um, I try to do that. And I felt like that can be better. It's obviously hard. There's times where I'm just going off and I know I'm going off and then I'll catch myself going off and I'll be like, all right, bro, <laughs> you got to calm down, you know? <laughs> so it's, I feel like being more self-aware of those things has been something that I've tried to really do along those lines. Yeah. It, you guys summed it up perfectly. It's this balance between I'm here to listen to you. I'm here to empower you. I'm here to give you the, the space and the, the, you know, the ears to listen to your story. Um, but we also have a job to steer a conversation in a certain way. Uh, and that's why I think this is such a particular skill that takes a lot of time to work on. 
and, and, and mentors of mine have, have said that. They said, you're not going to get it perfect the first or the second or the hundredth time, but as so long as you're aware that it's something that you're trying to work on, that balance between I want to listen to you, but we also don't have two hours to sit here about some ten, tangential conversation that isn't going to give us enough and uh, you know enough answers in order to find a solution here yeah and it is a skill and it is something you can learn and improve on and i think that was a big game changer for me is when i realized that this these are things that i can improve on and actually have big benefits for the individual that i'm working with really shifted my mindset because i think earlier on like when we were in physio school there's a lot of people saying like this is kind of something that you just you're either you have or you don't and i think a lot of people have a little bit more of like a natural inclination to be able to communicate and, and get stuff out of people, but there's definitely tangible ways that you can improve on the skill. And that's one of the biggest things that I've preached to myself and to other people is that you can make these things better. A hundred percent. Changed my mic. Can you guys still hear me? I can hear you. Okay. Perfect. perfect. <laughs> um, you, you mentioned like before the podcast that you were, you know, you're in some new grad circles and you have a desire to like change the industry um, and kind of make it greater than it has been. Like what is, what is driving that desire for you? And like, what change are you hoping to see um, within our industry? Yeah. I mean, and I did tell you, I, I, I do hang around in more new grad circles. Um, I, I don't know compared to what, who knows, but I think it, I think it's partly a function of the fact that I went to school in Australia. So a lot of the people that I connect with on a, on a physio level are still over there and aren't really around, you know, the Montreal, Toronto, Eastern United States area to kind of chat and meet up with. Um, and so it's a function of that as well as having done the level up uh, mentorship recently where I connected with a lot of newer grads relative to me. What, what am I trying to, what, what, what kind of change am I trying to catalyze? I, I want people to be able to receive the, the, the most appropriate care, whether it be for me or for the, from the you know, one, the, one of the three clinics down the street from here, doesn't really matter to me. I want people to make an appointment with a physio and not have some sort of standardized experience, but know and feel confident that if there's you know, a family member of mine that has some sort of an injury and no one in my clinic is available to treat them, I wanna know that I can feel confident sending them to just about anyone in Montreal, for example. Um, so you know, how do we get there? You know, level up is something that could help us get there. I think, uh, I think what they've built, uh, Zach and Steph, in terms of the level up mentorship is, is incredible and it does teach a lot of those, you know, quote unquote soft skills, but I, I hate that term. because I don't think they're soft skills that are legitimately firm <laughs> skills or whatever you want to call them. Um, so I think it's that, I think it's, look, you know, it's a combination of being able to interpret research better or realizing how important it is to read research. Both of those things are not obvious. Um, I couldn't, keep my eyes open during a statistics course during my, my, my degree. Um, and now I, I really wish I did. And I've, I've managed, you know, managed to learn a lot about interpreting statistics and, and research papers, but that stuff is so important. And I don't necessarily feel like when we're in school, we're exposed or we're told how important it is. Um, my experience was that whatever I learned in school, I was like, Oh yeah, you know, this is it. This is the Holy grail. Why do I need to read research? Why, you know, Obviously, they're giving me the most up-to-date information, which isn't necessarily always the case. 
So yeah, it's a long winded answer to say, I just want to feel more confident with our industry. I want to know that we're, you know, every physio can help every person or almost every physio can help almost every person. Uh, and that I don't feel like friends or family might get fed some information that could have negative effects down the line, which, you know, th there's a lot of talk about do no harm in, in the medical world. Uh, and it's always seen as do no physical harm, right? That's kind of how it's interpreted. And I have this big thing about harm should, isn't just physical, right? If I get told something that has terrible effects on my life that I'm still feeling five, 10, 20 years later, you've done harm. And I think there's something really not okay with that. Um, words are different than physical harm. And, and, and I understand that, but I don't know. I don't want to get too, <laughs> too, too emotional about it, but I think it's important that we know that what comes out of our mouths and, and how we approach things in practice uh, can have significant effects. And I don't want to hear stories of, you know, uh, of people who get fed information that at 25 years old stops them from running, although it was just a, a sprained ankle and they get told they have the ankle of an 80 year old because they had a, a scan done. So things along those lines are probably what I would love to see not be a part of our industry as soon as possible. Yeah. I, um, I think we're on like the same page with a lot of that from what I'm, from what I'm hearing from you. And I think the one thing that really stands out to me and, and it sounds like you're saying is like, we, we just need to hold ourselves to a higher standard. And it's something that I think we're really passionate about. Um, and we try to kind of push that, um, with like, you know, our model of care and how we approach it. And like, even just the visual aspects of our clinics and the things that we have in our space and like how we, the language we use around the things that we do. And I, I'm super passionate about trying to push that amongst the rest of the industry because we need to all be holding ourselves to a higher standard in order to get that across the rep, like to the rest of everyone else. Right. And if you go to me and get one thing and then you're going to someone else and that standard is way less or giving you mixed information, people are very conflicted. And I think, that's part of the, the big problem that we face right now. Yeah. Conflicting information, right. And raising the standard. I think, I think those are key and you know, there's, there's this tendency to blame schools, but I don't think it's, I don't think it's a I don't think it's fair to lay blame on, on the educational institutions because they only have us for, for two and a half years, you know, four or five semesters in the master's program. Right. So, you know, in my, in my experience, I didn't really have a free minute when I was in university. If there was another course or another lecture that I had to attend, I don't think that I had the time in my schedule to do it. So there is a responsibility. There is an onus on us to, to realize these things and to pick up as much extra added knowledge as we can outside of school so that we can all go back to our why of helping people uh, and add as much value to their lives as, as possible. Yeah. Um... Okay. So if you could go back and offer yourself one piece of advice, what would you tell yourself? Um, just ex experience things, consume things. I don't mean consume like food or, or, or drink. I mean, consume, read, listen to podcasts, read, whether it be blogs, Instagram research, uh, what people are commenting on Facebook on, you know, on physio related pages. Um, you know, on a physio side, I would say 
I wish I started reading and learning about this stuff sooner and not waiting until I was out of school already to realize that there's kind of this movement going on, you know, no pun intended, there's this movement going on uh, outside of school that's trying to push physios and, and healthcare professionals in a, you know, to, to be better. Um, but I would also say outside of the physio world, just learn more about the world, right? Read more newspaper articles, read more uh, magazine articles, learn about economics, learn about politics, learn about nature and, you know, climate change and everything. Because, you know, although we, I say we, I should say myself, although I feel like I operate in this physio bubble and my whole world and life is physio, it's really not, right? It's really, really not. Physio is a tiny, tiny part of of what's going on in the rest of the world. When someone comes in to see me here, you know, although I feel like physio is, is probably the most important thing on their mind, most of the time it probably isn't. There's something going on at work, something going on with their family, something in terms of pop culture that's, that's got part of their attention. So I think just being able to relate with as many different people on as many different levels as possible is probably not, you know, new grad physio advice. It's probably just person advice and just, I think we all owe it to ourselves to know what's going on in the world around us. And I've kind of developed this interest in economics and, you know, inherently with politics over the past few months, it's been a little bit crazy to say the least. Um, yeah, we owe it to ourselves to see what's going on outside of our textbooks and, and Instagram pages and all that. Yeah. And I think, you know, you mentioned you took level up and I think what I learned a lot from level up was the ability to, you know, I'm still learning, but to critically think, and it just sounds like, you know, listening to what you're talking about before, how from mentors, you took some information that you thought was valuable that you could layer into your experience and some that you didn't. Then you're talking about taking information from different realms, whether it be economics, nature, you know, physio, whatever it may be, taking that information, critically thinking about it and seeing how it applies to your situation. I think that is one of the things that I valued the most is from taking that and and learning how to process that information um, and then using it in your actual like clinical practice in a relevant, in a relevant way. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't think you guys go into the, into the quote unquote business world and open your clinic. If you guys aren't, you know, first very self-aware and second of all, environmentally aware or, or, or aware of everything going on around you. And I think, you know, not to say that there are, there are definitely people that do open up businesses who are kind of oblivious to what's going on around them. And, you know, I, I, I pray for them because it, it can't be easy. You need to have an understanding of everything that's going on around you. You don't have to be proficient in everything, but you do have to realize that, you know, like you said, economics or politics, there, there could be some overlapping themes in economics and in, and in, physio for example like i actually wrote up an instagram post this morning um where i compare the elasticity of or, or i've forgotten the word that i used before <laughs> shows you that i'm not proficient in economics but i was using a term that's called the of uh of, of demand or something along those lines and comparing it to in physio, what I refer to as human elasticity, so our ability to adapt to difficulties around us, whereas the economic term is how does my spending or how does my purchasing, um, uh, how is that affected by a change in price? If the price goes up by a dollar, down by a dollar, is that going to affect my desire to purchase it, right? So it's not, a, it's not a perfect comparison, but we all kind of see things differently in our, in our minds, the way we 
we interpret things and think through things. So yeah, I mean, level up is, is definitely responsible for a lot of the critical thinking that I do these days. Um, that's probably what I took away the most from level up is this ability to just, you know, take things at a surface level, uh, and, and, and realize that, you know, not all information is bad, but also not being shy to kind of take it back, take it back to my computer or, or, you know, back home when I'm lying in bed and to just think about it a little bit and, and dive deeper into it because not everything we hear is necessarily truth or not everything we hear is necessarily very relevant to us. And we need to try and see, is there, is there some sort of value that I can extract from this rather than just taking it on, you know, a hundred percent or disregarding it completely? Is there something that I can, is there some sort of value that I can take here so that tomorrow when I wake up, I can, you know, hopefully add a little bit more value into someone else's day. No, it's awesome. I think we miss the, uh, the information or, or the looking into the glass ball to see this pandemic coming when we opened our, our business. <laughs> Unfortunately, we weren't aware. We weren't aware we're of that. That. <laughs> that. That old thing. Yeah. We, uh, we didn't plan for one over here. We, we yeah. definitely didn't plan for one. And by the way, the term I was thinking about before was price elasticity of demand. So you can, you can work your, your editing magic if you want or don't because I'm vulnerable and I'm okay to kind of take the flack for it. So, yeah. <laughs> we, we manipulate all of our episodes to make our guests sound worse. <laughs> <laughs> That's how you got to pump your own t- It's a dog-eat-dog world. You got to do what you got to do. Oh, man. Um, on that note, Jess, why don't you uh, leave where people can find more about you, uh, about you like your content, and then even, even like your clinic? Um, if they're interested. 100%. Yeah. So you can follow me on Instagram at physio.jess. Um, so that's where I post as, as frequently as I can. Uh, if not actual posts, I, I tend to put up a lot of stories. Uh, still trying to kind of forge my path over there and figure out who I want to be, not who I want to be online as if it's different from who I am in person, but what kind of content creator I'd like to be. Uh, and then you can also follow our clinic. It's D-Y-N-A-M-I-X, so dynamics.mtl uh, from Montreal. And you can see what we're doing here. We've got semi-private training. We've got a whole hydro fitness department. Uh, we've got the clinic. Uh, we've got a juice bar if you're ever in town. And uh, yeah, so that's where you can check us out. Cool, man. Appreciate the time. Um, it, was, it was a great conversation, like very insightful. I think there's a lot of good, good information that, uh, that people could get out of it. And it's always good to have a good old Canadian boy on the show. You know? <laughs> love it. Love it. Ontario boy on top of it, right? Exactly. We'll start the new grad series, you know, from the least new grad you could possibly <laughs> and we'll build ourselves back. To, yeah. There you go. There you go. Awesome. All right, Jess. Appreciate it, man. We'll talk soon. Thanks so much, guys.